Frontier Gentlemen, here with an Englishman's account of life and death in the West. As a reporter for the London Times, he writes his colorful and unusual accounts. But as a man with a gun, he lives and becomes a part of the violent years in the new territories. Now starring John Daner, this is the story of J.B. Kendall, Frontier Gentlemen. Gunsmoke. Gunsmoke, starring William Conrad. Matt Dillon, United States Marshal. The first man they look for and the last they want to meet. It's a chancy job, and it makes a man watchful. Now here is your guide for these adventures of the mind. There was someone waiting who will hurry up and rescue you. Now, here is O.T.R. Have a chair, Marshal. Oh, thank you. Our quarters aren't luxurious here, but we'll find a place of some sort for you tonight. Well, there are two of us, Colonel. Fine. And when will you want to start back to Dodge? Uh, tomorrow, if the prisoner's ready. Prisoner? Uh, now, don't tell me they got everything mixed up again. I came here to pick up a returned prisoner, whatever that is. And that's the only description you had? That's all. I have to hold him in Dodge till somebody from Boston comes after him. I'd better explain, Marshal. The prisoner was a captive of the Cheyennes and returned to us several weeks ago. Oh, oh, I see. Well, can't you keep him here at Fort Leonard or just send him home? It's a woman, Marshal. What? Mrs. Phillips. And the man who's coming out from Boston for her is her husband. Well, that's how this story sets up on this episode of Gunsmoke. But it gets more interesting than that. So this is just a moment in time, but it gets a lot more complicated after that. But it all will work out in this episode of Gunsmoke from September 26th, 1953. And the episode is entitled Fawn, which actually makes sense this time. And I'll be back after this with an episode of Frontier Gentlemen. Dodge City and in the territory on West, there's just one way to handle the killers and the spoilers, and that's with a U.S. Marshal and the smell of gun smoke. Starring William Conrad, the story of the violence that moved west with young America. The story of a man who moved with it. Matt Dillon, United States Marshal. Sir, I, I didn't see you laying there. Uh, you're slamming doors. You always do that. Who'd you think it was? 
Is there somebody after you? Uh, there could be, Chester. A lot of people. <clears throat> Yo, what do you got there? A telegram. I happened to be passing by the depot and they gave it to me. Here. Oh, you read it. I haven't got my eyes on it. All right. My. It's from Washington, Mr. Dillon, from the government. Well, then they still know where I am anyway. Well, yes, sir. It's addressed to you. Well, read it, Chester. All right. It says, proceed to Fort Larned and receive return prisoner from Colonel Bloor. Stop. You will hold and dodge until arrival of Roger Phillips of Boston. Stop. Signed, C.J. Calvert, War Department. What's it mean? Well, as usual, it doesn't explain much, Chester. But Fort Larned is a 55-mile ride from here. i got to go over and pick up some prisoner and then ride 55 miles back to Dodge with him. Yes, but what for, Mr. Dillon? I don't know, Chester. Maybe that man from Boston can explain it when he gets here. That colonel at Fort Larned must know. Oh, you might. Uh, can I go with you? All right. We'll start in the morning at daylight. <laughs> Have a chair, Marshal. Oh, thank you. Our quarters aren't luxurious here, but we'll find a place of some sort for you tonight. Oh, there are two of us, Colonel. Oh, fine. And when will you want to start back to Dodge? Uh, tomorrow, if the prisoner's ready. Prisoner? Uh, now, don't tell me they got everything mixed up again. I came here to pick up a returned prisoner, whatever that is. And that's the only description you had? That's all. I have to hold him in Dodge till somebody from Boston comes after him. Uh, I'd better explain, Marshal. The prisoner was a captive of the Cheyennes and returned to us several weeks ago. Oh, I see. Well, can't you keep him here at Fort Leonard or just send him home? It's a woman, Marshal. What? Mrs. Phillips. And the man who's coming out from Boston for her is her husband. It'll take him several weeks, so it was thought best that Mrs. Phillips should be in Dodge. <laughs> I never heard of sending a woman to Dodge to her to be better off. But I'll take her there, and that's what they want. Where'd you find her, anyway? Well, perhaps I should tell you the whole story. Mrs. Phillips was captured while traveling to join her husband in Denver ten years ago. Ten years? That's a long time for a woman to live with Indians. Yes, it is. Her stage was attacked by the Cheyennes, and everyone but her was killed. Yeah. Well, how'd you get hold of her? She won't talk much, Marshal, but evidently she managed to escape. You see, we were chasing a band of Cheyennes led by Chief Blackhorn a few weeks back, and we ran into Mrs. Phillips and a girl out on the prairie. A girl? A Cheyenne, not a white girl. Now, that's strange. But anyway, what are you going to do with the girl, Colonel? It's all been decided in Washington. She's to go on to a reservation. Oh, well, good. Then I don't have to worry about her. Well, I'm afraid, Marshal, it's going to take a little time. Huh? What do you mean? Mrs. Phillips absolutely refuses to be separated from her. But right now I have to take them both to Dodge, huh? I'm afraid so. I'll send for the girl when Mrs. Phillips goes home. Mm. How old's the girl, Colonel? Perhaps somewhere between eight and twelve. Well, I suppose I'll meet him at supper. I don't think so. She insists on eating alone with the girl. Oh, and by the way, they're both still in Indian dress. You'll have to do something about that in Dodge. <laughs> Colonel... Do you have a bottle of good whiskey hidden in that desk? Of course I have, Marshal. <laughs> but don't worry. I'm sure everything will go smoothly. Sure. 
ask the colonel if he can spare a wagon, Chester. Well, it's going to be an awful slow trip in a wagon. Well, it can't be helped. At least we're getting an early start. Yes, sir. Hey, by golly, there's a the colonel. Soldiers always get up early, Chester. That would keep me out of the army all by itself. <laughs> well, good morning, colonel. Good morning, Marshal. Chester. Good morning, sir. Mrs. Phillips is waiting inside, Marshal. Shall we go in? Oh, uh, well, you better stay here, Chester. Yes, sir. Mrs. Phillips, I brought Marshal Dillon. How do you do, Marshal? Ma'am. Come in, gentlemen. This is Gray Fawn. You may call her Fawn if you prefer. Oh. Uh, does she speak English, ma'am? A little, but you mustn't expect her to talk. She's a little too frightened of white men. I've uh, come to take you to Dodge, Miss Phillips. I know. It's very kind of you. We're ready. Good. I forgot to ask you, Colonel, if I could borrow a wagon. Why, certainly, Marshal. And I'll send a soldier along to drive it. That won't be necessary, gentlemen. Vaughn and I have horses and we can ride. That's a long trip, ma'am. I'm sure we've made longer ones, Marshal. We're ready to leave when you are. I'll have your horses brought up at once, Mrs. Phillips. Thank you, Colonel. It's 55 miles, ma'am, and uh, there's no place to spend the night. You forget, Marshal. I've been a Cheyenne for ten years. All right. Well, let's get started. I swear, Miss Phillips, I don't think you and Fawn are half as tired as I am. Chief Blackhorn insisted the women ride almost as much as the men, Chester. Uh, what sort of a fellow is he, ma'am? I was never acquainted with any Indians real well. Never mind that now, Chester. Now, let's stop here. Oh. Uh, this is the Dodge House, Miss Phillips. I'll go see if they have a room for you. Thank you, Marshal. Take my horse, Chester. Huh? Yes, sir, I got him. Now, maybe you better tie them all up over there. I'm sure they got plenty of rooms. I'll be back in a minute. Ah, good evening, Hank. Uh, hello, Marshal. Where you been? I, uh, got a couple of women outside, Hank. They'll want a room here for maybe, oh, two weeks. And so? Sure, Marshal, sure. I need some guests in this place. Two weeks, that's fine. Uh, give me your best room. Uh, they've come a long way. Certainly, certainly. You just bring them right in. Chester. Yes, sir? It's okay. Come on in. Where are they from, Marshal? Well, it's a long story, Hank, and uh, don't ask them. Okay. Well, I'll be. Is this them? This is Hank Risling, Miss Phillips. Mrs. Phillips, I'll uh, get you some different clothes tomorrow, ma'am. That's all right, Marshal. You really a white woman? Yeah, of course she is. Mm. What about the girl? The girl's Cheyenne, but she's staying with Miss Phillips. No, no, not here she ain't. Now listen to me, Hank. Miss Phillips has been a captive of the Cheyennes for ten years. She got away and brought this girl with her, and they're tired, and they want a room. Never mind, Marshal, it doesn't matter. The white lady can stay here. 
But I ain't taking in no filthy Indians. You should be ashamed. And by tomorrow, you'll have to get out of that costume yourself. Shut up, Hank. I ain't running no hotels for Indians. Or, come to think of it, even for them that looks like Indians. No! Come on, let's get out of here. I apologize for him, Miss Phillips. There'll only be trouble. I knew it. I'll find a place for you. Don't worry. Chester. Hmm? Go over there and get Kitty, huh? Tell her I want to see her right away. Yes, sir. It isn't going to work, Marshal. Now, ma'am, nobody's going to bother you. I promise you they won't. It's been so long. So much has happened. But you've escaped now. You're out of it. No. No, Marshal, I didn't escape. What? I couldn't have escaped. I was allowed to leave. And Fawn was allowed to go with me. I never heard of Indians doing that before. It was the chief, Blackhorn. But why? Well, you may not understand it. But after the first few years, after I adapted myself to the tribe and its ways, I was treated kindly. But even so, I I knew I could never be happy with the Cheyennes away from my own people. So Blackhorn just lets you come back? Yes. I know it seems strange, but he's a strong man, Marshal. A very strong man. All right. But uh, what about Fawn here? He must have known she'd end up on a reservation. No, never. Hello, Matt. Oh, Kitty, uh, this is Miss Phillips. I know. Chester told me. I'm glad to meet you, Mrs. Phillips. Thank you, Kitty. I got a room for you and the girl. It's out back of the Texas Trail. Belongs to a friend of mine. She'll move in with me while you need it. Well, that's very kind of you. And her. Well, I was never caught by the Indians, but I know what it's like to be a stranger in town. Come on, I'll show it to you, and then we can get something to eat. I hope I can repay you. Ugh, nonsense. Take the horses, will you, Chester? Yes, sir. Uh, shall we go, Mrs. Phillips? Excuse me, Kitty. I I want to say something to the marshal first. Sure. Here, Fawn, you take my hand. We'll walk on ahead. What is it, ma'am? A moment ago, you asked about Fawn. You said she'd go to a reservation. Well, that's what the colonel said. Fawn will stay with me, always. Well, I guess you're pretty fond of her. Yes, I am. You see, Marshal, Fawn is my daughter. Return for the second act of Gunsmoke in just a moment. But first, tomorrow in the daytime on most of these same stations, CBS Radio welcomes to the network the distinguished conductor Leopold Stokowski to conduct the new musical series, 20th Century Concert Hall. Mr. Stokowski conducts the CBS Radio Chamber Orchestra in the radio premiere of Nikolai Berezovsky's Adagio from the Sextet Concerto. This is a radio premiere in tribute to the composer who was with CBS Radio's orchestra for 22 years until his death last month. 20th Century Concert Hall starts tomorrow. 
Now the second act of Gunsmoke. It took a lot of courage for Miss Phillips to come back into the white man's world after ten years among the Cheyennes and to bring her daughter with her. I, uh, didn't tell anybody about it. I figured she'd talk for herself when the time came. A week passed, and while the people at Dodge regarded Miss Phillips as a curiosity, they didn't take to her treating the child as an equal. And so they avoided them both. Kitty looked after him, though, and I saw them whenever I could. But it was Doc they really impressed. I never saw such a pair, Matt. Why, well, they'll live to be a hundred, both of them. <laughs> well, they look healthy, all right. Ah, there are a couple of chairs, Doc. Let's sit a while, huh? Oh, yes. Uh, I swear if I wasn't so old, I'd go live with the Indians myself. <laughs> Don't think you'd like it, Doc. I wouldn't. Why not? Too much work. Oh, no, not for me. As far as I can tell, there wouldn't be no patients. They're all too healthy. <laughs> oh, before you go, Doc, tell me something, huh? Huh? Do you, uh, think the girl is as frightened as she was at first? Oh, she'll come out of it. Just give her time. This is quite a change for her. Yeah. Yeah, it sure is. There's one thing about Fawn, though. What? She isn't pure, Cheyenne. She isn't? You know as well as I do that she isn't. Uh, it makes sort of a problem for Miss Phillips, doesn't it, Doc? People just treat her worse if they knew the truth, man. Marshal Dillon? Hello. I'm Jeff Hunter. Huh? What can I do for you? I'm on my way to California, Marshal, so I ain't going to cause trouble. <laughs> well, that's fine. I want to talk to that woman, Mrs. Phillips, you brought to Dodge. Oh? What for, Hunter? I'll tell her that, Marshal. I just thought maybe it'd be easier if you took me there. You can stay while I'm talking to her, if you like. All right, Hunter. She lives back of the Texas Trail here. Come on, I'll show you the way. All right. Uh, I'll see you later, Doc. Uh, sure, Matt. live around here? Oh, I've been ranching, Marshal. It's too cold winters. I'm going to California. No? No. Family? No. I'm alone. Now. Ah. ah, here we are. Come in, Marshal. Oh, both of you. Well, thank you, Miss Phillips, uh, this is Jeff Hunter. How do you do? I'm proud to know you, ma'am. He uh, wants to talk to you, Miss Phillips. He looks like a good man to me, or I wouldn't have brought him here. Well, you're most welcome, Mr. Hunter. Miss Phillips, I've heard your story, some of it anyway. I thought maybe you might know something. 
about my wife. Your wife? Yes, ma'am. The Arapahoes captured her about seven years ago. I know there's some Arapahoes and Cheyennes that are friendly, and I was wondering if you ever heard of her. Her name was Ruth. The Arapahoes had a white woman once. Blonde, captured on the Solomon River. I never met her, though. My wife's a blonde, and that's the place it happened. Oh. Mr. Hunter, when I heard of her, she'd already died. I'm sorry. Ruth never was very strong. Shouldn't have brought her to this country. Wasn't your fault, Mr. Hunter. Things just happen sometimes, that's all. Maybe it's better she died. That could be. Hope it wasn't too hard for you, ma'am. It wasn't easy. That's a right pretty little girl. What's her name? We call her Fawn. Oh, that's a pretty name, too. She takes after you, ma'am. What? Well, of course, she's a little different in color, but she kind of has your mouth. Marshal. You know, I've never said a word, Miss Phillips. Mr. Hunter, how'd you know Fawn's my daughter? Why, I just knew, that's all. How'd you know? Well, I heard there was a little girl. Nobody said so, but I figured she must be yours. And then when I saw her just now, I knew she was. I I hope I haven't said anything to trouble you, ma'am. No. No, you haven't. But people have already made it hard. Sure. People talk, but they don't know. They got no idea what it was like. That's very true. Figured you're lucky you were able to bring her with you. Mr. Hunter, Fawn is a chief's daughter, Blackhorn. It was he who allowed us to leave the tribe. I'll be going now, ma'am. I hope everything will be all right with you. Goodbye, Mr. Hunter. Goodbye. Thanks for talking to me. I'll see you later, Miss Phillips. Yes, Marshal. Jeff Hunter didn't leave Dodge right away. Kitty told me that he ran into Miss Phillips on the street the next day and had another conversation. Later, I heard he took her and the girl fishing. I figured he was good company for them, and no harm could come of it. I was busy, and I sort of forgot about him for a few days, when one morning a man walked into the office. Uh, Marshal Dillon? Uh, I'm... Uh, I'm Phillips. Roger Phillips. I, I've come for... Uh, for my wife. Well, when did you get into Dodge? Oh, I came in the Santa Fe last night. Last night? I thought it wisest to wait till morning. Oh. Well, it's your business, Phillips. Chester. Hmm? Go tell Miss Phillips her husband's here. I'll bring him over in a few minutes. Yes, sir. I'll go tell her, Mr. Dillon. Well, this is my... First trip west in many years. Ever since uh, Mrs. Phillips was lost, in fact. Yeah. Are you staying? Staying? Oh, no. No, we'll go straight back to Boston. I much prefer it there. I see. 
Well, Miss Phillips is fine, although I have an idea you'll see some changes in her. I expect that. I expect that. She's been through a terrible experience, Marshal. Of course, we'll, uh, we'll get her back to normal soon enough. Seems pretty normal to me right now. Really? That's hard to imagine after ten years among the savages. I only hope she hasn't, well, lost too much. She was a well-bred woman, Marshal, and we... She still is. She's just learned more. I told her, Mr. Dillon. All right, Chester. I'll show you where she's staying, Phillips. Come along. I sure didn't think much of him, did you, Mr. Dillon? Uh, not much, Chester. Hmm. Awful uppity. Seems a shame. A fine woman like that. Well, maybe she can handle him. If he's worth handling. It's not our problem, Chester. Well, no, sir, I guess not. Marshal, I want to talk to you. Good morning, Miss Phillips. Good morning, Marshal. Now, Marshal, you listen to me. Yeah? What is it? Well, I've just learned the full truth. I understand you've known about it all along. I hope you'll forgive me, Marshal. I told him you knew. There's nothing wrong with that, ma'am. The whole thing is wrong. A girl will go to a reservation where she belongs. This was arranged in Washington, No, Marshall. Roger. Never, never. Now, wait a minute, ma'am. Look, Phillips, the colonel at Fort Larned told me the arrangements, but he didn't know the facts, and neither did the people in Washington. Things are a little different now, don't you think? Well, you can hardly expect me to take that girl back to Boston. It's up to you, I guess. Well, then go over there and get her, Marshal. And hold her here in jail until we leave Dodge. And then you can do what you like with her after that. Roger. You must be a pretty big man in Boston. Of Phillips. course I am. But this is Dodge City. Nobody ever heard of you here. Now, why don't you calm down and decide what you're going to do? I know what I'm going to do. I won't leave her, Roger. I won't have her around. Here or anywhere else. Then I'm sorry. What do you mean, you're sorry? Go back to Boston. I'll stay here. Do you know what you're saying? Yes, I do. I'll divorce you. You'll never get a penny. I don't want your money. I wouldn't have it. Very well, then. Stay. No longer anything but a squaw anyway. Chester. Yes, sir? There's a train east leaving soon. Throw him on it. Oh, I'll do it gladly, Mr. Dillon. Miss Phillips, go to your place and wait there for me, huh? I won't be long. All right, Marshal. Come in, Marshal. Why, Mr. Hunter. Marshal told me to come along, ma'am. I hope it's all right. Come in. Thank you, ma'am. Uh, Miss Phillips, I told Hunter here that uh, 
your husband arrived and that he's left. Yes. But, uh, I didn't tell him that he might still try to cause trouble about the girl. Could he? Well, Colonel Bloor's orders were to put her on a reservation. And, uh, it'd take a long time to change that through Washington. And Phillips knows it. What can I do, Marshal? Clear out? Or they can't find you? They'll all forget about it in time. That's a good idea, ma'am. If you don't mind my saying so. But how? I... I can't just ride back out onto the prairie with her. No. No, she can't. Can she? Hunter. We sure wouldn't be right. <clears throat> well? Ma'am? Yes? I'm head for California, like I told you. I can leave any time. I got plenty of room for two more, like you and your pretty little girl. Do you really want us? I'll tell you. I've been waiting around Dodge so as I'd be sure that you were going to be all right. Uh, you understand? Yes. Yes, I understand. Gunsmoke, under the direction of Norman MacDonald, stars William Conrad as Matt Dillon, U.S. Marshal. Tonight's story was especially written for Gunsmoke by John Meston, with music composed and conducted by Rex Corey. Featured in the cast were Helen Cleave, John Daner, Edgar Barrier, Lawrence Dobkin, and Leo Curley. Harley Bear is Chester, Howard McNear is Doc, and Georgia Ellis is Kitty. And now an announcement of interest to many of our listeners. The theme for Gunsmoke is an original melody by our musical director, Rex Corey. It is called Old Trail and is available at your local music store, both in sheet music form and as a commercial record. Beginning next week, Gunsmoke will be heard at a new time over most of these same CBS radio stations. Remember, Gunsmoke at a new time beginning next week, so check your local newspaper for the time. Be sure to join us again next week as Matt Dillon, U.S. Marshal, Fights to bring law and order out of the wild violence of the West in Gunsmoke. This Monday night, the Lux Radio Theater brings Joan Fontaine and Charlton Heston to its microphone, co-starring in The President's Lady. That's on the Lux Radio Theater, the same night CBS Radio stars John Hodiak in Suspense's production of Hellfire. Yes, Monday night on most of these same CBS radio stations. George Walsh speaking. America now listens to 110 million radio sets and listens most to the CBS radio network.
Hey everyone, it's OTR Rob, welcoming you to another edition of Frontier Gentlemen. This episode is from September 29th, 1958, and the episode is entitled Gold Digger. Well, J.B. Kendall is back in Montana in the gold country, and he thought he would take a tour up in the gold country just to see what was going on and to clear his mind to write some stories to send back to England and he stumbles upon two gold miners who are partners together. Let's hear what that sounds like. Hey, 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 uh, how long since you was down to Deadwood, mister? Two days ago. Two days? Mm -hmm. Hey, uh, you uh, ever go to the green front down there? The green front? Yeah. Mm, I don't think so, no. <laughs> Frankie's got a girl at the green front. Him and a hundred other the boys. Now you hobble that lip of yarn, Charlie. When I say I've got a girl, that's what I say. There's the sweetest little long-haired partner a man could ever hope to have. And don't you forget <laughs> it. Now you're getting my back up, Charlie Longball. <laughs> Meaningful, Frank. Ain't nothing funny about me and Mary. I aim to get hitched up with her one of these days as soon as I make a strike. All right, Frank. Ain't nobody saying otherwise. Yeah? Well, ain't better be. Well, I'm going to fetch some water in the creek. You watch that meat, Charlie, so she won't burn. Sure, Frank, sure. So enjoy this episode of Frontier Gentlemen, and I'll be back next week with both Gunsmoke and Frontier Gentlemen. Enjoy. In the Black Hills of Dakota Territory, I met a lovesick miner and got bitten by the gold bug. Frontier Gentlemen. an Englishman's account of life and death in the West. As a reporter for the London Times, he writes his colorful and unusual stories. But as a man with a gun, he lives and becomes a part of the violent years in the new territories. In just a moment, we will bring you this latest report from the Frontier Gentlemen. Seven nights a week on CBS Radio, most of these stations present The World Tonight. On The World Tonight... ACBS newsmen broadcast direct from where the news is developing, along with well-detailed eyewitness reports on current events. The World Tonight brings you lively interviews with people in the news. When big things are happening in London, Moscow, Paris, Tokyo, or Rome, they're all within speaking distance on The World Tonight. Now, starring John Daner. This is the story of J.B. Kendall, Frontier Gentleman. The town of Deadwood is built between a canyon wall and a river. As with so many other products of a gold rush, it has attracted the best and the worst of humanity the enticements being many and varied from opium dens to gambling halls and saloons. Morning and night, the long main street fairly roars, and the sound carries many a mile into the black hills to be heard by some half-starved, grizzled prospector down on his luck. I had gone into those same hills in order to write my impressions of gold mining in this area, 
It was the evening of my second day when I wandered into the camp of two men. Their diggings were in a hillside a few yards from their fire. Evening, mister. Good evening. Any luck? Uh, no. Uh, had you grub? Not yet, I... Well, shake yourself. <laughs> Ain't no fancy fixings. Got us some dough meat and splatter dabs, that'll do you. Well, it's very kind of you, but I don't want to... Heck, ain't no trouble. Rest your saddle, mister. <laughs> Thank you. This here gut robber, he's Frank Twist. I'm Charlie Longball. J.B. Kendall. Oh, How do you do? Know you. Uh, may I contribute to the meal? Sure. Oh, uh, ain't got any sweetening, have you? Yes. Jam, sugar. Jam! Oh, jam, that'll go just fine on them splatter dabs. See, we run out of sugar three weeks back. Uh, the belly wash this old woman makes. I've been putting reasons in it to get some taste out of it. <laughs> uh, well. uh, here. Oh, now that's mighty friendly, mister. Sure you can spare it. Oh, yes. Say, where you been prospecting, J.B.? I'll tell you the truth, I haven't. I'm a writer, just moving around, looking for something to write about. That's so. You hear that, Frank? Yeah, ain't that something... You ain't looking for gold at all? If I found some, I wouldn't mind in the least. No, I'm not particularly searching for it. I admire that. I surely do. What about you fellows? Ain't running more than $10 a ton right now. We figured to give it a couple of more days and then move on. Of course, 10 ain't bad, but there's fellas cleaning up better than 50 a ton hereabouts. Don't, uh, don't pay to waste time on hungry ore. Mm. You both miners? Well, Frank is. Real old gristle heel. Ain't that right, Frank? I allows it so. Me? <laughs> I was a cowpuncher driving cows up to Cheyenne from Fort Worth. Heard about the gold come on over. Well, I see, that was uh, a couple years back. Met up with Frank. We got to be partners. Ain't that so, Frank? Yeah. And, mister, you ain't never seen such a greener in all your born days. First time he went to pan, and I like to die. <laughs> oh. <laughs> a young fool finds himself a piece of pyrite as big as your fist and thinks it's real gold. Gold, though, well, he darn near drowned himself. You know, I pumped a gallon of water out of him. <laughs> That's a fact. <laughs> oh, he learned better than after that, I tell you. Oh, I did. Sure as your foot. <laughs> hey, uh, hey uh, how long since you was down to Deadwood, mister? Two days ago. Two days? Mm. Hey, uh... <clears throat> You uh, ever go to the green front down there? The green front? Yeah. Mm, I don't think so, no. <laughs> Frankie's got a girl at the green front. Him and a hundred other the boys. Now you hobble that lip of yarn, Charlie. When I say I've got a girl, that's what I say. Mary's the sweetest little long-haired partner a man could ever hope to have. And don't you <laughs> forget it. Now you're getting my back up, Charlie Longball. <laughs> meaningful, Frank. Ain't nothing funny about me and Mary. I aim to get hitched up with her one of these days as soon as I make a strike. All right, Frank. Ain't nobody saying otherwise. Yeah? Well, ain't better be. Well, I'm going to fetch some water in the creek. You watch that meat, Charlie, so she won't burn. Sure, Frank, sure. Yeah, I, I should ought to know better by now. I gather that Mary is rather a touchy subject. J.B., hmm. if you never seen a man with a love colic... You have now. At Frank, I swear when he gets into Deadwood, he's courting that gal like she was the finest lady in the whole territory. Buying her candies, all kind of fripperies, I swear. It taint I got nothing against a gal. She ain't no worse than most. But I sure do hate to see a man old enough to be her father, which if you ask me, she never even knew. I sure do hate to see it. 
uh, hate to see him. Yeah, him making cow eyes and playing the fool over that painted cat. Why, she don't give no more than spit for him. It irons me good, I tell you. Oh, well, it's hard to tell a man in love that he is making a fool of himself. Now, that's a mouthful of truth, J.B. You know all she wants out of old Charlie. You know it's his money. If he ever gets any, she'll turn him high inside, too, before she's through with him. He won't have a tail feather left. How old is he? Frank? Yeah. Oh, 60, maybe. He never said. That's the trouble. Old Wrinklehorn thinks he's still a yearling. Doesn't he know that she doesn't care about him? Sure, he don't see nothing. She gives him one of them big-eyed skid grease smiles, he's a goner. Well, I'm afraid there's not much you can do about it. If you take my advice, Charlie, you'll just... Charlie! What? Charlie! What? What's the matter? Charlie, here you, boy. Hey, look. Take a look, take a look at this oil up there, my balls are yearning. Look! Holy suffering wishes. You ever see anything like that? Where'd you find it, Frank? Where? Boy, it's pure. It's like I never seen in my whole days. Pure gold, Charlie boy. It's pure gold. Frank Joel. <laughs> Frank Joel, Hooter, slow down for you. Bust your gut. Where'd you find it? I'll show you. Down this side of the creek. I'll show you. Come on, it's worth millions, Charlie boy. Right now, your GMC dealer is inviting every truck owner and every truck buyer to make his own value test. Compare what you get with what you pay for when you buy any truck on the market. Then see if you don't agree a GMC wins on value. That a truck-built GMC gives you more for your money. Here's a sample of a real bargain. Your GMC dealer is ready to offer you a brand new 1958 GMC truck for stop-and-go delivery work, complete with package delivery body, at a price that's less than you'd have paid for this same vehicle a year ago. And here's another bargain. Today's brand new pickup with 22 extra quality features at no extra cost, priced right down with the lowest. When it comes to trucks... Remember, GMC, the quality name in trucks, wins any price-value showdown. See your GMC dealer now. In the gathering twilight, we stumbled, raced down the slope toward the creek. Then a few yards from the bottom of the hill, Frank Twist stopped, put a shaking hand on an outcropping of rock... And we saw a newly hacked scar. You ain't gonna believe neither one. You ain't gonna. Frank. Frank, we've struck it. Look at that. Mr. J.B. Kendall, you brung us luck. Big luck. <laughs> Do you know what happened, you know? Oh, I was mad at you. Real mad, Charlie boy. I was passing by this here ledge, and I give the bucket a good swing to help get rid of my froth. The bucket got caught on a crack and pulled loose. A piece of rock come out. But there weren't no rock, Charlie. It was gold. That piece of gold. Well, it's fabulous. I'd never have believed it if I hadn't... Boys, <laughs> we got to celebrate. That's what. Let's get on back to no, the camp. Wait, wait, wait a minute, Frank. I want to hack me off another piece. Well, go ahead. You too, Kendall. Go on. No, no, no. Wait. One moment. There's one thing, though. Is this yours? I mean, is it part of your claim? Well, sure it is. Ain't it, Frank? Hey, well, I reckon it is. You reckon? Well, we paced it off, Frank. Up the diggings, don't it come down this far? I don't rightly remember, Charlie, but, uh... Let's see, now, 200 yards south, 300 north, that's on Pax out of Jack's diggings. 
Frank, we panned downstream. We never made no claim here. Well, we got to do it right now, right away, Charlie. Quick. Yeah, sure, Frank. Kendall, you give us a hand. We'll cut you in for a share. Oh, I'd be very happy as to. As soon as we get it staked out, me and Kendall go back to Deadwood and register. Now, you stay here to keep an eye out, Charlie. Like you say, Frank, but, but suppose somebody else has already staked it. We searched for some mark of ownership. A cairn of rocks, an old tin can. But in the darkness, we could find nothing. The three of us staked out the area and then started for Deadwood, leaving Charlie seated at the campfire, a look of grim determination on his face, a shotgun across his knee. It was well past midnight when we arrived in Deadwood to register the claim, but the office was closed and wouldn't open until six in the morning. Sure do hate to let that claim sit like that with only the young fella up there. There's no use worrying about it, Frank. You can't do anything until morning anyway. Well, you're right, J.B. You're darn right. Tell you what, let you and me celebrate. Drinks on me. Bella Union's just down the way. <laughs> All right. <laughs> oh, it's going to be a long night, but worth it. Because in the morning, we're going to be millionaires. <laughs> Bella Union was probably the most disreputable, lowest den of iniquity in all of Deadwood. Its whiskey was foul, and the beer, sir, I've heard best described by cowpunchers when speaking of shallow pools of water in which cattle had been standing, green, stagnant. The whiskey being the lesser of the evils, I nursed mine along, which is more than I can say for Frank Twist. You need another shot of that fine red disturbance, partner. I've got to settle the dust in my belly. He had consumed three quarters of a bottle and seemed none the worse for it. Oh, I got the worst by the table on the downhill drag. <laughs> At about three o'clock, my companion turned a somewhat reddened eye on me, picked off, put his arm on my shoulder, and said, You miserable looking son of a You're drunk. I'm sorry. What you need is a drink. I have one. Thank you. What I need is a drink. Uh, in your hand, Frank. Mary. What? Mary. Let's go see sweet Mary down to the green front. Well, now, don't you think perhaps we'd better wait until the office opens? Remember? Claim? Oh, you got to meet Mary. She, me, me, she. We're going to do some rotten logging. <laughs> Sweetest little gal in Deadwood. Marry her in the morning. Come on. We made our way down the street to the green front. The saloon was a good deal quieter than the Bella Union, but for an entirely different reason. Several ladies of assorted ages and varying degrees of decay were present, and with them seated drinking at tables, their consorts. Frank Twist dragged me across the room. There she is. Mary! Mary! Yeah. Oh, come on, Mary. Give us a kiss. Oi, you wicked man. Hey, mister. Mister, you take your slimy hands off on that sweet pure girl. Uh, come on, Frank. You don't want to. Do... Hey, there. It's old man twist. Are you talking to me, you raunchy old son of a gun? You heard? Mary, 
Hold my drink. Sure, honey. Uh, now, now, uh, forgive the intrusion, but my friend is rather drunk. He doesn't mean... What do you mean, I don't mean? Frank. Frank, Frank. Mister, you got a mighty powerful whoop in that fist. You got a feeling you busted Porky Culligan's nose. You sure got a pretty color of blood, ain't you? Frank. He gave his head a hit on the table when Porky hit him. He ain't gonna wake up for a while. You sit down and have a drink with me, stranger. No, 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 no. We don't want no trouble in here, mister. Oh, there ain't no trouble, Horace. You go and take care of the customers. Bring the gentleman here a fresh glass. He wants to buy me a drink. Don't you, honey? Well, I hadn't thought of it. Hey, who brought this? Now, if, if you don't mind, that belongs to my friend, Mr. Twist. Holy... Is that what I think it is? Gold. Holy... Where? In the hills. Sure, in the hills, but where? Let me see. Oh. Richest I seen since Darby Methwig strike. Mr. You and him. You and him, partners? Yes. Oh. Oh, Horace, get the gentleman some champagne. You don't want to drink none of that snake poison of yours. Sure. You bet. Sit down, Mr. Honey. Sit down. Let that dear old man lay. Me, we'll take care of him when he wakes up. Now, I, I want you to tell me all about yourself. Where'd you say you found the gold? This fall, we're conducting one of the biggest talent searches in our history. We're trying to find the most gifted men available to run the country for us. We're looking for candidates who can guide us through the perilous days ahead with wisdom and candor. How do we find these talented men who will be our next congressmen, judges, governors, and mayors? Find out just what they believe in. After the eliminations in the primaries, we hold the finals of this great talent search in November. We are the judges, and our decision is final. But to vote, you must register first. Then, in the November elections, vote and pick a winner. Miss, uh, Mary, I never did learn her surname, draped herself around me like an anaconda. Every now and again, she patted my pocket to assure herself, I have no doubt, that the gold nugget was still there. There was nothing subtle about her. She came to the point with a minimum of preliminaries, and was, I think, quite surprised when I declined. You married or something? No. Well, don't you want a wife? Don't you want a flock of kids? Uh, at the moment, the furthest thing from my mind. You like me? I find you devastating. You don't like me. You shatter me. Mr. Twist likes me. He loves me, he told me. Yes, I know. He'd marry me. I suppose he would. I always thought he was a funny old nose painter. Imagine him wanting to marry me. It is hard to imagine. Yeah, ain't it? May and December. Of course, the old goat's got a lot of life left in him. But I think you're much nicer. It's kind of you. You don't like me. I have some more champagne. 
thank you. How much you figure that strike of yours is worth? Well, according to Frank, millions. Would you like for me to sit in your lap? No, thank you. What's the matter? Don't you like women? On well, the contrary, I'm very fond of them. Oh, just me then, huh? I ain't your kind. Mary, why do you want to marry me? You've got a gold mine, ain't you? Yes. Well? Simple as that? You've got a better reason? I'd take care of you, woman thing. You know, like your socks and all. Yeah, I guess maybe because I've been working in a place like this, I ain't the wife you'd be wanting. Is that it? If I were in love with you, Mary, it wouldn't matter where you worked. Yeah, I'd like to find a man like you. Settle down. Wouldn't even have to have a million dollars. Just, just enough, you know. No, I think so. Oh, your erstwhile friend is coming, too. Huh? The gentleman with the wounded nose. Porky, you better get out of here for... What's your name, sweetheart? Kendall. For my fiancé, Mr. Kendall, let some more air out of you. Oh, oh. Hey. How, how come you didn't tell me you had a fiancé? I don't have to tell a hill rat like you nothing. He ain't going to talk like that if my claim turns out rich. Rich? Culligan, you couldn't find enough pay dirt in your whole life to beat what Mr. Kendall's got right there in his pocket. Oh. <clears throat> Say, you, you hit it hard? I think so. Well, now, I ain't a man to hold no grudge, pard. Just you put her there. <laughs> As I reached out my hand, Porky Culligan hit me a beauty, and that was that. But a half an hour later, I woke up, my head pillowed in Mary's lap, an anxious Frank Twiss leaning over me, and behind him, the rodent-like features of Stote, the green front proprietor. Kendra. You all right? Kendall. Oh. Oh, sweetheart, I thought you was dead. Oh. Mary. So did I. What call you got calling him sweetheart? I can call him anything I want. Uh, Colligan got your gold, mister. Took off out of here like he had a burr under his saddle. With the gold? Yeah. Stole a nugget right out of your pocket. I tried to stop him. Oh, no matter none, Kendall. There's plenty more where that come from. Oh, well. Maybe you better lie down for a while, honey, till you feel all right. You want to come to my room? No, he don't want to come to your room. I'll take care of him. Come on, J.B. You better be getting along. We got business. Uh, what about the champagne? You ain't paid for that yet. Oh, uh, oh, oh, yes, yes. A uh, hundred dollars. What are you, a road agent? That's the price. Pay up. Oh. Uh, so, yeah. Ain't I going to see you again, Kendall? It's doubtful, Mary. How about you, Frank? You coming back when you're done with your business? Well, I ain't so sure no more, Mary. Maybe you ain't exactly the kind of woman I'd want to be raising my kids. How come? I thought you was sweet on me. I was. But you're a fickle female woman. I aim to do some better with my millions. Come on, let's go, Kendall. We left the forlorn miss of the green front and walked down the street to the land office. Frank Twist was remarkably sober. We had an hour to wait until six, and then the office opened. The agent took our claim and began to go through his files. You know, I'm mighty glad, mighty glad I found out about that woman before it was too late, J.B. Oh? Yes, sir. I got you to thank for that. Why, sure. 
only thing she was interested in was my money. Yes, I rather gathered that impression myself. A yowling and a screeching. Mm -hmm. Figured for a while you was dead. Right there with you ain't yet cold. She's asking me to marry her, and then you wake up and she starts calling you sweetheart. Well, we're both to be congratulated, Frank. I'm still alive. You're still single. Yeah. Say, sure is taking that fuller some time to check that claim. That boys. Oh, everything, everything fine, huh? Uh, sure, but not for you, it ain't. No, not for us. Unless you made a real big mistake when you staked it out, that claim's already spoke for. It ain't. It, it, it can't be. I'm sorry. It sure enough is. Yeah, let's see. The name of Culligan. Horky Culligan. He's legal owner. Uh, what's the matter? You boys find some gold up there? I went back with Frank Twist to his camp. Then with Charlie Longbaugh, we walked down to the creek and looked at the outcropping of gold. Two days later, Culligan found it. And the day after that, he married Mary of the Green Trunk. Frontier Gentlemen was written, produced, and directed by Anthony Ellis and stars John Daner as J.B. Kendall. Featured in the cast were Joseph Kearns, Harry Bartell, Virginia Gregg, Jack Moyles, and Jack Crucian. Join us again next week for another report from the Frontier Gentleman, Bud Sewell speaking.